Hey guys, if you want updates on our latest episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the Film Colossus podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, if you'd like to support the show and hear episodes ad-free, then subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmcolossus. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. My name is Chris Lambert. And my name is Travis Bean. And on today's episode, we dive into the most viral movie of 2023, Saltburn. We react to the movie's most provocative moments and, through a discussion of the film's themes and deeper meaning, debate whether all this hype is even warranted. I was trying to think of a, a sound effect that encapsul- encapsulates salt and burn, and okay. I, I couldn't. Hmm. Couldn't. Or, like, I, I guess I'm picturing a really puffed-up finger that's been burned red by touching the stove or something you know like you're bloated from all the salt and like oh man i burned it too like that's the worst combo <laughs> what a horrific image it just it made me think of the movie <laughs> seven and the first like gluttony person like that person reaching out and getting burned yeah oh gosh seven i haven't seen that in a while yeah but i i knew i knew that was one of the sins so obviously that's part of the movie right of course of course yeah uh do you know salt burns a real place um, I guess I assumed it was. I didn't know why the movie was called Saltburn other than like the place is Saltburn. I guess you're right. They say that in the movie, but uh, I assumed it was a real place. So the house is it actually Saltburn? Okay. There's just a town Saltburn by the sea. Okay. Is that a sequel to Manchester by the Sea? Yes. It okay. Very, I thought it was. Very clearly is it's insane that you mm. even have to ask. No, yeah. I mean, I saw a lot of overlap thematically, but it's good to make sure here. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it's a place, but the house is a private residence that has a completely different name. Uh, okay. It's kind of a shame because the people that rented out the house to Emerald Fennel for filming uh, said that the one condition was that they couldn't actually name where it was because they didn't want people making pilgrimages to the house right. or to try to see the house because people still live there <laughs> and uh and they knew this though, movie would become viral yeah even though emerald fennel uh, and the cast did their best to not say where it was it's a historic landmark <laughs> yeah you every, could just look at it yeah every architectural person in europe was like oh yeah we know that house it's blah blah That's- blah that's so stupid. They thought somebody wouldn't recognize it. Like one person in the world just needs to know what it is and then tweet it out. Yeah. So uh, they wanted the anonymity and they did not get it. But <laughs> Well, they've been immortalized. It's kind of fascinating. The house has only had, I think, two families have lived in it. Like obviously more f- actual people have lived in it. But in terms of names, right. uh, it was like one historical family sold it to another historical family and that family's been in it for <laughs> 300 years 400 years i love people who are really into that kind of thing like <laughs> the legacy of a family that always just like cracks me up 
I know. It's such a... I mean, I, I tried some... to have a different last name. I didn't want to be a bean anymore. <laughs> no? You tried changing? I was like, I, I, for a long time, I told my wife, like, I, we should have your last name. And then she just didn't want to do it. And I didn't really... I stopped caring. So it just became a non-issue. Yeah. You're just like, well, we're fine. Let's just go. <laughs> I just didn't want to burden my kids with the name bean. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, you know, you, you could wear it as a, it toughens you kind of, it, it makes you, um, cause every kid I walked by in at school would just be like, boom, you know, and just like, <laughs> I'm just become a joke almost. Um, but you know, it, it, uh, gives you a little bit of armor. It helps you ready for the world. And nobody cared about Lambert when I was a kid, which mm-hmm. is surprising. Um, but I remember because one time of the actor Christopher Lambert. Of course, they Lambert. respected me. They respected me a lot. Yeah. Uh, one time, you know how you'd ride the bus home with friends sometimes? Uh, I don't, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, I got a note and I rode home with a friend, Josh, and people on his bus were like, who are you? And I was like, Chris Lambert. And they all started singing, like this entire bus of kids. We're talking like second or third grade. Uh-huh. They all started singing Lamb Chops Play Along. I don't even know what that is. Wait, you never saw the show Lamb Chops Play Along? I, you know what? Yeah, I thought that when you first said that. I was like, I wonder if that's a reference to Lamb Chop. And I, I have memories of that show, but I don't remember the song. It was like, Lamb Chops Play Along. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I don't remember the words, but I had an entire bus full of kids singing the song at me. And I remember just sitting there weirdly being like, is this what it's like to get bullied for having a name? <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody weird. That yeah. was essentially the only time it happened in my entire life. Well, try having every person in the world when they meet you go, are you related to Mr. Bean? Oh, no. Oh, no. I remember I made one Bean-related like <laughs> reference to you in like, the first six months that we started talking. And you were like, don't do that. And I was like, okay. Don't do that. <laughs> and I've actively avoided doing it for 12, I don't know if I would go as far years. as they don't do it. It, it was it was just like a, a nice like please don't like you're a new person in my life i've gone through this yeah that could be a true. lot of my life like it was that kind of like please don't <laughs> like, i'm envisioning a lifelong relationship with you like let's not start here yeah like this is not don't make this part of what we do although i will say people have not i don't think i mean obviously rowan at rowan atkinson still lives and he's still a great actor and i think he probably still acts but People don't seem to know who Mr. Bean is anymore, especially Generation Z. So it's become less of an issue for me. Yeah. <laughs> Died down just just a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of Generation Z, Saltburn. Yeah, Saltburn, which uh, it's funny because it's very much like a, a millennial movie in a lot of ways. Sure. I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. It takes place in 2006. Like in Emerald terms of like the content and themes and everything, at least. Yeah. Emerald Fennel's 38. But the style of the movie, yes. and it seems like the audience that it's for, is very Gen Z. Um, <laughs> we're like, I don't want to say Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was like the first Gen Z movie because probably not. That's definitely not true. But I think it's the first movie on my radar where I realize like, oh, this is for. Like, yes. I'm a little aged out of this. Oh my god, Chris, this is. <laughs> 
honestly, like, I don't have a lot to say about this. I, I've got plenty to say about this movie, and we can talk about it. But the biggest thing I wanted to talk about is exactly what you just said, is how old this movie made me feel. <laughs> like, I, I just visited my friend, and he was hanging out with some younger people. When I say younger, I just mean people younger than me. Like, people who I think are probably in their late 20s, which I don't even know if that's necessarily Gen Z. But they seem to be on a different level than I'm at, culturally. And... We were talking about Saltburn and preview of this movie. Like, I don't really like it. I'm not a big fan of Saltburn. Um, I think there are some interesting things to talk about with the movie, which we'll do. Um, but I was just sitting there like, I, I, I was trying to like go through Saltburn with this person. And I was like, I don't understand this. I'm like, I don't get why like this happened. And her response was so simple and like made me just go like, oh, she just went, it's a vibe, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of like... And I, I had a moment of like, it is a vibe. Like, this <laughs> makes me sound so fucking old, and I'm so sorry. I'm 37 years old, so, like, this is just how it is. Uh, oh, wait, I'm 30, You're 36. 36. You're I'm 36. getting to the point where I don't know how old I am. That's how old I am. <laughs> um, thank God I'm only 36. Um, I actually did think about that, how, like, you know, you leave the house when you're 18, and now yeah. another 18, 18 years, years have passed. What the yeah. fuck am I doing? Um, yeah. Anyway, it, but that totally, like, it kind of put me in my place a little bit. Like, yeah, like, the movie, like, I do sense that about the movie as I'm watching it. Like, it has a certain feel, a certain ambiance. Like, it has atmosphere. Like, it does all the things, like, I want movies to do in a way. So, I, I, I kind of had this moment of, like, no, I don't like Saltburn. Um, if I'm judging it, like, critically as a movie, like doing the things I want to be doing, like thematically and narratively and with characters and stuff, like I don't like it. And I think it's a failure, but as far <laughs> as like a movie that like strikes a chord that has presence that represents a time and space, which speaks to people. Like I, I, I had this like very old man moment of like, of like, go on, like do your thing, Saltburn, like go <laughs> be viral and like be something to all these people that you are not to me. Um, and in that way, like it kind of makes me actually appreciate the movie. Like I will still give it a low rating on Letterboxd, whatever, whatever that means. But like with the caveat of like, I respect this movie in a way, you know? Ah, I mean, that's, that's something. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny that it's a vibe, Travis. So, okay. That gets into like a talking point for me that I'm very, okay. uh, so this is one getting into some of the background i didn't see uh promising young woman um mm -hmm. so this was the first emerald fennel movie that i, I did not see that movie either uh my like lead into this movie was just the poster uh, that's uh jacob alordi sitting on a ledge smoking a cigarette and it's right in front of a giant window and the, he's very shadowed because the light's streaming in behind him and the light's pouring over his shoulders in this very kind of gothic, romantic way that almost looks like the angel wings that he's wearing later in the movie. Mm -hmm. But the poster is very much a vibe and had that kind of artistic aesthetic that makes me excited. Like This seems like somebody with an eye uh, for visuals. Mm -hmm. So I knew that much going in. And then there were some festival screenings and people were reporting some like mixed things about Saltburn and how it was going to be very divisive, but it was very like energized and interesting. So I went in it 
not with high expectations, but with hopeful expectations that I would like it. And I got to see an advanced screening in November at the draft house. And it, I mean, I was, I was pretty happy with it overall. Mm -hmm. Um, it didn't blow me away how I had thought it might. I don't think I saw the twist coming in quite the way that the twist was. Like I, I was taking um, Oliver more at his word than I should have been. <laughs> so, which I think is part of maybe the beauty of the movie and how it works, maybe almost on a meta level. You know? Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, so when they got to the house and uh, you see the house, I was just like, that little son of a bitch. <laughs> like, yeah. It was just, uh, I've also haven't seen um, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Did which people Emerald have, Fennel direct that? No, no. But people have oh. compared, like a lot of people have just said it's like a bad Talented oh. Mr. Ripley remake. Interesting. Um, I hadn't connected those two movies, but yeah, obviously they they have connection. I don't know anything about the other one. <laughs> so um, apparently other people saw the twist coming because there's the twist in Talented Mr. Ripley. Um, is the I, twist just that like he's playing everybody? Is that the twist? I guess so. That's funny because in the Talented Mr. Ripley, you you kind of know it the whole time. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess people just kind of expected that then they would have been surprised by the twist here. Right. Um, hmm. But uh, the shocking scene shocked me. Uh, the visuals. <laughs> the, the one shocking scene, yeah. Yeah, the visuals I thought were like pretty good. Like not as consistently dynamic, but there were enough little pops of visual like coolness that I was happy with that. The grave banging scene uh, yep. amused me a lot. And then in the last like, bit in the maze there's the post dinner scene like the post the breakfast mm -hmm. after felix's death mm -hmm. um was definitely a highlight and then the last dance through the house i thought was really cool so i came out of the movie like pretty positive about it uh and then was i mean we can get into that after you give your thoughts but the response to this movie has been the most infuriating thing to me i oh. think in the last you know 15 years of being a film critic can you go over it a little bit because remember the theme of this episode is i'm old um and i don't know really what the reaction has been i mean i know people <laughs> are talking about it i guess but i don't know in what way they're talking about it so a lot of the immediate dialogue that was coming out even from critics online not just from just random twitter user 3353 but from i love that guy <laughs> critics with actual followings and that write for papers or websites uh, that have like, YouTube channels, people that claim to know and understand movies. <laughs> Chris's <laughs> least favorite people. Yeah. <laughs> you think they would be my favorite people? Like, oh, we have commonalities, but instead I just get angry yeah. at Rage. all of them until I have a conversation with them. And I'm like, oh, you're just a regular person <laughs> doing your best. You're humanized now, but... There's a part of me that's from the professional standpoint of just like, you're up here. Why are yeah. you so dumb? Uh, that's unfair. This is going to come back to haunt me one day. I don't think it's unfair. But haunt me. There, <laughs> there were critics that were saying that Saltburn had no themes. 
And that was one of the uh-huh. major talking points early on huh. was that it's a movie that's all plot with no thematic meaning whatsoever. And that was infuriating because you can't say that you understand movies and then say Saltburn has no themes. You could say that it doesn't execute themes well. You can right. criticize. I like would love how, to talk about that portion of it. Yeah, how it attempts to go about its thematic work. But saying that there's like no themes whatsoever and that there's no subtext <laughs> whatsoever is just <laughs> such a blatantly like ignorant statement to make that it's really yeah. aggravating how many people made it and defended it. Uh, especially when I point out, do you not pay attention to the the style versus substance conversation between Farley and Oliver uh, during their uh, tutorial? Is that what you call it in England when it's just like a couple mm-hmm. students with the professor? Yeah. Uh, they have their tutorial and Oliver reads his essay and Farley's like, use thus seven times. He's like, oh, so you're just critiquing the style of my argument rather than the substance. And Farley says, you know, the world is essentially about substance. They're about style, not substance. Nobody cares about that. So arguing rhetoric is valid because that's what people care about. And that sets up the entire kind of style versus substance debate at the core of the movie and at the core of Oliver's character and how much he abandons his substance to become whatever style suits the goal of what he's trying to accomplish. So you can argue that the movie's doing that poorly or how it's going about that is like bad, but saying that it doesn't exist, completely ignorant and dumb. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The other major talking point was that it's an eat the rich movie that defends the rich. Um, Or it's like Parasite if the movie was like favoring the rich over the poor. Hmm. Uh, And so there was a lot of criticism of Emerald Fennel herself. And like there were people viral tweets saying, of course, somebody named Emerald makes a movie that like sympathizes the rich and makes monsters of the working class. This is why I'm not on Twitter, by the way. (laughs) And that's also such a stupid talking point and such a bad read of the movie. One, like judging the director by their name alone. (laughs) Oh, God, I could never direct a movie. (laughs) oh this bean yeah it's such a ridiculous thing for somebody to try to do and this was like a serious critic that was saying this with like eighty thousand followers a real job it wasn't just (laughs) i make tiktok contents and have two (laughs) thousand followers it was a legitimate critic trying to weigh in that somebody named emerald doesn't understand the word yeah that's the kind of shit you gotta say these days to stand out i know it was so stupid that that could possibly be be the criticism but the fact that so many people read this movie as defending the rich or that oliver was representative of the working class when he's not even working class himself and the middle class that he's 
part of of this film he rejects outright and looks down upon so he's not even representative of the the working class the middle class the way that you saw in parasite and parasite mm-hmm. formally sets up a dichotomy between right. the upper class the lower class and it's surprising to me how many people think parasite doesn't necessarily make negative or like isn't critical of the lower <laughs> class in that movie i mean it's well, called yeah. there's an ironic nature to the idea of the parasite but we also see them ruin the lives of the wealthy people in the film like they're the sympathetic characters in the movie but they also cause a lot of issues and problems uh like arguably just as much as oliver it's mm-hmm. just a little less intentional um but it was funny seeing people jump to parasite being this bastion of how it handles class dynamics when it's pretty critical of both classes in that film um still very sympathetic as well but still critical uh and saltburn i would argue is it even about class it's about who has power and the kind of people who have power or who had it uh traditionally and the kind of person who's now taking power or rising into power and that right. Oliver isn't representative of a working class or middle class, but of this kind of person who wants power and will do anything to get it and is essentially a grifter. And that's what we see so much of in the social media age is how many grifters are winning based on social media and are rising in power politically with social followings who just like lie like make themselves into something that they're not and get away with it and are awarded for it. You just think of all the like strong personalities like Andrew Tate comes to mind, right? Or George Santos who became a a, a senator, was it? Or a mm-hmm. representative by being just a complete liar <laughs> to the point that he got kicked out of Congress. Or you but, become president by bankrupting a bunch yeah, of companies. Yeah, did you become president? Like the kind of person <laughs> that's rising to power like across industries are these people that know how to grift and know how to be chameleons that put style over substance and are rewarded for it. So the mm. movie's very much <clears throat> about this kind of person who's benefiting uh, in the social media era. It just is doing it in a very fantastical, evocative, traditional way. But the Catton family doesn't represent the rich. It represents the people who have had power and been lazy with it and have just gotten to enjoy the benefits of it. And Oliver's definitely not representing the middle class. He's representing this person that's coming through and taking power. So I I think of this movie much more in terms of American Psycho, The Social Network, and ingrid goes west in terms of being about like the era that it was made in and looking at these kind of sociopathic people that are responses to that era with american psycho it's kind of the wall street zeitgeist of the time the social network you're looking at the onset of the millennial entrepreneur and what's going on there with this mixture of like entrepreneurship and technology and this new way of doing business through somebody that doesn't necessarily value the the social like interactions of it mm-hmm. like the mark zuckerberg of that film was definitely representative of this new mode of doing things and then ingrid goes west is about this 
toxic relationship that we have with social media, the things that we do for clout and following on social media and the way in which we connect with social media influencers very superficially and parasocially. Saltburn to me is very much in that vein of those movies where Oliver is the diagnosis of this kind of character that we have in this time who's grifting his way into power and taking it from the kinds of people who have had power. And Emerald Fennel kind of confirms as much in a couple interviews when she talked about the themes that it's about coveting, it's about now, it's about uh, not necessarily class, but about like wanting what you see other people have in the way, like the things you'll do to get it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, no, I I agree with a lot of that. It's it, definitely not like Parasite in the sense that like Parasite is so clearly about class. Like it goes through all these pains to show that like they come from different like working classes and like what they do for their jobs and all that jazz. Um, but definitely similar in the sense of all the other things you're talking about, like capitalism is ultimately just a byproduct of that struggle that's always existed like the people the have and the have nots like achieving something beyond what you were born into and that to me is like the big part of saltburn is you know the little bit we finally learn about oliver's life uh the parts he hasn't been lying about (laughs) we go to his house and he just has like an ordinary life like you look at it and think like, God, like, what are you so miserable about? Like you have like a nice family and like three cool sisters <laughs> and like, um, but he's just ultimately what we see is that he wants, he just has this drive to have what these people were born into. Like, I guess in a sense to him, it's just, isn't fair that he can't have this thing that these other people just always had. Um, and that's really laid into by the the who's the shitty kid, the Felix's uh, friend, <laughs> Farley, the cousin. Farley. Of course, his name is Farley. It's like a shitty name. Sorry to anyone <laughs> named Farley out there. Um, in shitty name, I just mean it seems like a like a bully and like a kid show or something. You know, like Farley, all that little little runt. Um, yeah, but um, it, 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 how he says like he says to to Oliver like you'll never have any of this like this isn't a dream to me this is my life um it's really laying into that and like that inherent struggle I I think a lot of people even if you don't actively face it like we're all aware that like some people are just like better off (laughs) from birth than other people and like it's it's not fair in a way um but so in that sense it's, it's like Parasite but if that is like the the crux of the movie, like that struggle that people have, um, I think that's, I think I face a couple problems with that. First of all, um, maybe it's just like the point I'm at in my life, but like, I don't care about stuff like that. <laughs> like for it to be the crux of a movie, for it to be like what a character is going through for me to like be invested in this person and like what, I mean, ultimately I, Maybe that's not fair because Oliver is meant to represent something about society. But to me, he represents something like Parasite to me almost gets at something more crucial where like it's about the work you put in and what the system has let you be as opposed to like what you're born into, you know, or like Mm -hmm. Parasite in a way like it's getting that like even if you work your ass off, like the system can keep you back, that kind of thing. 
um, where this movie, I'm like, I'm kind of looking at it and I'm like, so like this kid is upset that he wasn't born into like a powerful life. <laughs> so he like dreams up a scheme to like get in the end. There's just something about it that I'm like, just on a base level, I have a problem like connecting with this character and what he's representing and like what he's going through. Um, partly because we don't learn a lot about him. Um, we learned a little bit about like his life and how he grew up and like that sets up like the foundation of his character ostensibly. But I, I guess I mean, as far as like, why does he want this? You know, like even if he represents something about society, even if he's only meant to be like a sort of symbol, like I still need like to know why. Um, and that just kind of kept nagging at me the whole time, like why this was happening and how I guess I just want to feel side by side with the character in a way, even if it's a anti-hero or somebody abhorrent like Oliver. Um, I I need a connection. I need the reason I'm there. And I just, I, I kind of had that sense the whole time. That that was just something that was bugging me a little bit and I could never get past it uh, even up to the end. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I having that question of like, why pestering you throughout is definitely something that can take away from a movie and the experience yeah. of the movie. Yeah. You know, all the stuff you're talking about too, like all of the, all the very viral things this movie did, like, sure. Like I, I, I can't sit here and say that like that scene, you know, the vampire scene, like yeah. that I wasn't like a little captivated by that. Like I've never seen any, <laughs> that's some bizarre, crazy shit right there. I'm somebody who lives and breathes for like crazy movies. And like, that was crazy. Like I got to give it up. But at the same time, it's something else we've talked about on the show that as cool as that scene was, um, and maybe even cooler was the scene. I'm saying cool. God, this will, this will out me as a weirdo. But the scene where he's um, in the bathtub, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I found that ar an arresting visual. Like, I was very captivated by that. Um, but the problem I have with a lot of movies is I really have a hard time separating scenes from like the entire construction, like what's ultimately being said, what this is my problem and why I think a lot of people misuse the word aesthetic. Cause I think a lot of people just think of aesthetic as like beauty. Um, like if a, like that scene, the vampire scene, like that is aesthetically a beautiful scene in the sense that like it works. Like you watch it, you're kind of captivated by it. It's really good acting. They say some crazy shit and you're like, whoa, that was nuts. Um, but to me, the aesthetic of a movie is more about like, what is it saying? Like, what is the ideology here? How do all of these images add up to something greater? And you could say that all of the images and scenes in this movie, all, all the crazy shit that happens, all the very um, visually arresting stuff like it's part of oliver like getting inside this family and becoming part of it so he can tear it apart from within like sure that's all happening but like i said like i don't know why he's doing any of this like i i get the i understand like the thrust of the movie and what it's saying thematically and saying about society sure like to me that's it's all kind of obvious and sitting on the surface um but the emotional aspect of it the part of the aesthetic that like catches me like pulls me in and makes me care about it like i'm just not seeing it like so when i don't have that in i i kind of 
feel let down by scenes like that. Like as visually cool as this movie is, like it feels like it's just missing the mark. And it, it, it almost actually makes those kinds of scenes like, uh, <laughs> like the fact that there isn't that emotional foundation, the fact that the aesthetic isn't totally working, it makes those scenes kind of pointless to me. Like it makes them just um, visually erased, arresting for the sake of being visually arresting, which I, it, call me crazy, but like, I just don't want a movie that just does that. Uh, if I just want to see cool scenes, I'll go on YouTube and watch cool scenes of things. But when I'm sitting down to watch a two hour movie, like I want them all to add up and produce something greater. And I just like, I guess in that way, I, I view this movie as a big waste of time to me. Like uh, all those <laughs> scenes were cool. Sure. But like, they didn't mean anything. Like they were just like, it almost feels, it just feels really empty in that way. And I don't enjoy watching an empty movie. Yeah. I, I mean, that gets at the, I think the legitimate criticism of the film is, okay, you have the idea of style over substance. You have the idea of what somebody will do for power or to achieve like kind of the, the machinations and manipulations but then where does that leave you in terms of the actual scene by scene moments and the kind of the micro narratives, the mini arcs that are there and a lot of Oliver's arc that we think initially at first is the idea of, can he fit in? Like, is he good enough to fit in? Can he win these people over? Can he make his way in this world? And Farley's the gatekeeper in that way of continuously kind of telling him you're not good enough. Uh, you're just this little thing. So can he like outsmart Farley or earn Farley's respect? Which places some like weight on those scenes, maybe in the initial viewing of like, okay, he's connecting with the sister, but that's a misplay. But all of that is more on the plot level where it seems like you're wanting it to be more representative of a, or have like more than just like the superficial plot aspect to it. Well, yeah, because to me, like all of those cool scenes, if they don't have, if they don't have an emotional foundation, if I'm not invested in the character and like what's happening in this moment and why he's doing these things and what it's ultimately saying, like if all of that is kind of empty, then like to me, the movie's just going through the machinations of becoming viral, which like maybe that's all. I'm, I mean, I don't want to go that far. That's a very cynical thing to say, but like if a movie is ostensibly only wanted to be viral, like these are the kinds of things it would do, you know, like what kind of scenes are going to make people crazy? Like what, what if someone posted a video of watching the vampire scene with their parents, which a lot of people did on Twitter, like, like that'll get people talking about it. Like that's a crazy thing for a movie to do. Um, I, I just can't help but think like, that's a lot of what this movie was. Like, it just feels like, like you saying, like we, like the whole, the way we view Oliver changes all of a sudden in the movie, but that change doesn't mean anything thematically it's literally just a plot change like oh wait he's doing this instead like to me I'm, I'm just really not interested in a movie that has that kind of construction yeah i mean i guess i would argue that it does seem dangerously close to you saying that the the themes aren't there 
Um, well, I think the theme oh, we've talked about the themes. Like I, yeah. I understand this inherent, yeah. like, Oh, I want power too. But like, you know, lots of movies do that. What, what step do you take it beyond that? Like, I would say that there's a little bit of, a um, when the twist occurs and we find out that Oliver has been lying about his background this entire mm-hmm. time, um, there is a reevaluation of the idea of style and substance. It's like we thought that he was somebody who is substantive that's now learning to embrace style at some point, and we end up realizing with the twist that he never had necessarily substance at all and has been kind of style this whole time or has understood it a lot more and is more like capable of changing his style it's also that there's that meta aspect of the viewer perception and the fact that we often buy into who people present themselves as so when oliver ends up not being who he thought he was a lot of the sympathies that we had for him even when he was doing weird stuff he was still a main character that i think a lot of people we're rooting for in some ways Mm -hmm. of like get your egg order right man you can do this (laughs) like okay it's weird that you played vampire and it's weird that you drank from the tub like that's we'll address that later but you're still (laughs) you're still the person representing me right the average person who just got swept into this world you're a weirdo but you we're alike we're alike and then the twist comes and you realize this is the person you've been sympathizing with. This is the person you felt connected mm-hmm. to. Right. There's a, there's that meta aspect of now suddenly rejecting the character or feeling disgust from the character, which I think does play into some of the commentary on the relationships people have these days, especially with online figures and the way in which we do root for them or sympathize with them or connect with them only to find out when we really find out their their values, their goals, who they actually are under the surface. There's that jarring nature of this was the person I was so invested in. This is the person I was so connected to. Right. Um, which I I like about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is there's like some Greek mythology references in there. Um, with the Minotaur in the maze and Felix wearing like wings and being like Icarus. Uh-huh. Um, and then Oliver ends up as Theseus, which is strange. I don't know if I should get into all of that, but um, <laughs> and there's like an interesting component there. Like I do understand the feeling that there is like shock value to the movie, but and that it might in some ways have stretches of just feeling like it's treading water and being like provocative as it does so, but maybe not building much or saying much or doing much. But I still struggle with how like it going through some of its genre moments differs from any other movie that has like stretches where it falls just into like plots versus some of the larger thematic stuff. So 
Mm-hmm. On the one hand, I get it, but I do feel like this has been like one of the most like misunderstood movies I've seen like discussed in a long time. And I don't even think it's like great, 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 amazing, good. Like in terms of my mm-hmm. rankings, it's not incredibly high or anything. It's not in my top 10 for 2023. It's definitely not in my top like 50 in all time rankings. Um, but oh no, yeah, it, oh it was no, it wasn't. But we redid the rankings, so now it looks like it was. But um, <laughs> I so I, I'm not defending it as somebody that thinks it's like this perfect, amazing masterpiece of a movie. But I feel like it gets a lot of uh, the punches it throws with the big moments. Maybe set it up for like a lot more. Mm. criticism than maybe what it deserves yeah sure and i think we've talked about that even on the show that you know something like midsummer like i i think inarguably that movie's going for more in a sense i mean depending on what level you define going for more but just looking at the movie and the way it functions and everything it's really making a statement in a way that a lot of movies don't and when you go for that big of a statement like you your fall you know, you're you're going a lot higher, so you can fall a lot further, and I think that's what happens a lot of the times with these movies. Um, with that said, I don't know how high Saltburn's aims are beyond like all of the the scenes that are crazy. You know, um, I don't think it's saying anything like that deep or different than I've seen a lot of movies talk about. I I would say even Parasite has a little bit more complicated of a of insights, and I don't even like Parasite. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Parasite <laughs> definitely is a lot more of a a layered, nuanced <laughs> yeah. film than Saltburn. Um, but you did get into the the one thing I did like about the movie. Not the one thing. There's a lot of great performances in the movie and everything. There, there are things I liked. But I thought the most interesting part of the movie, which ultimately I don't think added up to much, but was, was there, was th- this sort of meta aspect of how the the change in the plot that happens with Oliver and what we understand about him, there is a shift in how we perceive him. And you're right. Like we kind of are on his side in a sense. We are Oliver. And then all of a sudden we are anti Oliver. And (laughs) he, the way he had been playing everybody in the family, he had been playing the viewer as well. Um, So like, I, I think that's cool. Like that's a bit of a meta aspect in the sense of like how we relate to a character. Uh, but I guess like, and I guess I can see inherent, like, I can see how that just is part of the movie going forward. Like at the end when he's dancing around in the mansion, like we're not supposed to be happy that he achieved it. I guess ultimately, like I'm looking at the, the gaining power theme of the movie and like achieving something and the things you have to go through to, to achieve it paralleled with like the meta aspect of like us being on his side and rooting for him or not rooting for him. Um, I, those things lining up, like, I guess I don't see a, a perfect parallel structure there. I don't think it's like that interesting of a parallel maybe. Um, and I don't think it either road leads to something that interesting or cathartic or insightful about society. Like, again, it just seems more of like, a big dumb joke a lot of the time like him dancing through the house like yeah it looks good but like it's also like a big dumb joke <laughs> that we're watching this <laughs> that he achieved this and i can see people liking that and having fun with that but like i just like i said like 
when the aesthetic feels off to me and I'm not there with the character and I'm not, I don't know. There's just something a little off about this movie to me that I can never, I can never get on its level. Uh, I feel bad even saying that like I, anybody can think it's a movie and me, I'm not saying it's objectively a bad movie, but I have a hard time finding like anything in it that I like that is good. That, that works. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm a curmudgeon, but. <laughs> you didn't find any of the like cinematography like well yeah like i said like it's un- the same thing with midsummer like i look at midsummer and i'm like wow like someone did that like that's cool like that's a crazy shot i've never seen that before okay but okay. that kind of stuff doesn't mean maybe it's just like being on the other side of watching thousands of movies like i watch a lot of movies that do really cool things like at some point I just like I need more. I need it to like be saying something more. I, I, I that sounds again. That sounds ridiculous. And I I'm as I'm saying that I could see a lot of people rolling their eyes. Like, don't you just want to see like beautiful things? Like I do, but uh, I, I guess I'm just <laughs> at this point in my life at the, my movie watching career that like I'm looking for more from movies. And it's almost to the point where like if a movie is beautiful, it can be worse because like it doesn't mean anything. It isn't saying anything. And, like and it's just. It's just proof that like, oh, I can put something pretty on the screen. Like, I guess it's become a little bit of an annoying thing to me almost. Yeah, I mean, I get that. There's definitely like a lot of movies I've seen where it's just like the visuals are nice, but what do they really matter given like everything else that's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I've definitely have felt that way before. Um uh, with this, the the ending dance through, it is. He can dance. He can dance. I like the idea of it in the sense that it shows the ownership that's taken place. Like he is now so in possession of this place and this thing that he gets to dance through it completely naked. Like the the mm-hmm. difference in like who he got to be in that place when he first arrived uh, versus who he gets to be in that place at that point in time, especially in relation to what Farley said to him uh, at the party where he's just like, I live here. You only get to visit here. Like da, 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 da. And how much of a a dick he was about it. Mm -hmm. Um, It sets up like that being kind of like all the sweeter for uh, what's his face, right? Oliver. Mm-hmm. So there's something to that notion of ownership and possession, which like F- Emerald said as much in an interview that is just supposed to show that he now has like total like ownership and dominance of this place. And that's how at home he feels is that he just gets to be there like completely naked. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but does that like do anything for you still? Does that like, matter at all in the long run to you is like a a different like question and a valid question that just because it does have that like extra meaning to it what do we really like take away from that or get from that yeah um i mean yeah that's really what it all comes down to um god what the heck was i gonna say i feel like i was gonna build on something you said and i'm totally blinking um but gosh i'm blanking chris i don't know what to do okay i mean <laughs> did you have a, a a favorite scene um 
Oh, you know what I was going to say? And then we can hmm. get into favorite scenes. Is that I, I think another problem I have with this movie and, you know, we're talking about this final scene and like looking at the final scene and uh, it is, it arguably again, a beautiful looking scene like him running through this castle. He's got a nice butt. His dick is out. Like, hey, like this is cool. Um, but I, what is the scene saying beyond like kind of just a plain surface level reading? Um, and, and I think a big part of that is just like a, an important aspect of that is knowing the character, understanding the character and connecting with the character. And I, 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 I have trouble like even knowing what this movie's saying, considering who this kid is, um, because he's such a detestable person that seemingly has no likable qualities about him. Um, again, because I don't know anything about him, why he started doing this in the first place. Maybe if I knew one single thing about him that showed me why he was drove to such insane lengths to take down this family, like maybe I'd get it. Um, but you know, I look at it and like it, he just basically tears this family apart. Sure. They are, they inherited wealth. They're like one of these legacy families that just is always going to be half power. Everything is easy. Like maybe in that sense, I'm supposed to not like them. But when we're with the family, like Felix is a nice fucking dude who's super caring and thoughtful and helps Oliver <laughs> out a lot. Rosamund Pike, um, she, I mean, she had that thing at the beginning where she's like, I can't stand looking at ugly people. And maybe she's a little vapid. But beyond that, like she's a really nice mom. Like I, I, I look at this whole family and I'm like, Oliver is so much worse than all these people and he wins. I don't get the point of that. Like, I don't understand why I'm with this person, why I'm watching him do these things and what I'm supposed to feel at the end when he has the house. Like I get that it's a statement, but like, I don't know, I guess I don't know what my in is. Like, that's a big part of it to me is like the characters feel, man. I don't know. I just had a hard time understanding how I was supposed to feel about him and like what he was doing to these people. I, I wonder if you had some insight into that from like the Twitter community. Like, are people happy that he's just tearing apart rich people? <laughs> Do they not recognize that these people like aren't so bad? I don't know. I mean, that was part of the, the conversation that people felt Emerald Fennel was like sympathizing with the rich over everybody else. And that she made them really, like, sweet and endearing, but made, like, the kid representing the middle class into this monster who's just, like, wrecking okay. them. So they took it in, like, the most negative way possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, I view him winning as, like, the same thing as, you know, the villain winning in a, a film, like, in, what was the the movie um that we both really like uh oh god this is it's rare than we both like a movie i know uh based on john travolta um based on john travolta's life it's not based on john travolta's life but <laughs> blow blowout blowout yeah it's like blowout you know it doesn't end with the good guy or like the people that you kind of like or are right. rooting for winning the the villain wins and that's making a statement about society and the times sure. and uh, what it means that this is the kind of person that's victorious. And the same kind of thing with um, the social network. We don't really like Mark Zuckerberg in that movie. Or in real but, life. Or, 
real life, but he uh, he wins at the end of it all. And I think Oliver's in that vein of we don't really like him, but he wins because this is the kind of person who's winning in this day and age. Mm -hmm. And that sucks. And it's like the people who have had power, you do see how vapid a lot of them are or how like hopeless a lot of them are. But as you said, Felix wasn't necessarily bad. We have that moment with him and Farley where it hints that Felix is being like dismissive or maybe even like racist. But overall, the movie presents him as like very kind and I do think that that's kind of a realistic view that not everybody that comes from like power that who like has the potential to have power is necessarily bad. It's not saying everybody who has power is bad. Not everybody who's like rich is bad, but you still have people who will walk right over them to get what they have. Uh, mm-hmm. So I feel like that's the tragic quality of the film is that the family's somewhat likable and that you have Oliver who just isn't I think what your complaints really get at especially in comparison to the social network it's like if one of the key scenes of the social network that is one of I think many people's favorite scenes not ever maybe somewhat ever but if you talk about some of the best opening scenes in movies people point out that opening conversation um in social network where mark zuckerberg's on that date with that girl mm-hmm. or was it his girlfriend at the time yeah they were um, girlfriend boyfriend yeah couple and it's just such a strange tense like strained conversation and people still have that scene ranked so highly and find it so memorable and powerful because it did so much to contextualize Zuckerberg and set up his character arc it's what also makes the ending of the movie so powerful when he's just on that girl's Facebook profile and clicking refresh at his friend request and being like is she going to be my friend digitally even though she's not my friend in real life anymore and the meaning of that if you don't have the opening scene in that movie it loses all of the characterization and all the subtext and context that makes that version of Mark Zuckerberg so compelling on screen. And what we have in Saltburn doesn't do that. Yeah. And in that sense, he just becomes a symbol of something. And like, I just can't stand when movies do that. Like, I'd rather have a full-bodied human being that I'm following and understanding and creating insight about society. Yeah. Like, the point of him being kind of an outcast at uh, Oxford... Yeah, It does give some characterization, right? That he sure. at the start is somewhat substantive or is being maybe a little bit more himself at the beginning. And you do see that his like ostensible style at the start of the movie is very bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he's not well-dressed. Um, he's not very like talkative. How he presents himself maybe isn't as interesting as he actually is internally. And then he very quickly changes up his dress, his appearance, yada, yada, yada. The the style changes. But that's not enough of an overall 
characterization at the core of who he is because we don't really know anything about the core of who he is. It's like if we actually knew, which gets back to, were we talking about Hateful Eight before we started recording? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Chris gets complained about Hateful Eight some, a little bit more. All the time. Uh, it's just, it's one of my biggest annoyances in film is when there's a twist where I think the movie would be better if we just started earlier with all of the information rather than hiding information from us and going back mm-hmm. into flashback. Say we got to see Oliver before he went to Oxford and saw his parents, his home, all of that, him arriving at Oxford, and then all of the manipulative stuff he was doing to Felix the entire time. If the movie was more forthcoming in who he was that entire time rather than trying to rely on the twist and the fake out, which we did talk about the the thematic meta value that you get from that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the movie would be a lot more compelling and a lot more psychologically engaging, especially from some of the, the criticism that you've had about it. If we just got to see Oliver a lot more nakedly than what we do. I mean, we see him very we naked. We seem pretty <laughs> naked, Chris. I don't know if I agree <laughs> with you on that one. <laughs> but psychologically naked, you know? Oh, of course. Uh existentially naked he's fully clothed then as far as that's concerned. i know i know so if we had a little bit more of that like social network beginning of who he was as a person and not just where he was at um before meeting felix i think that would have gone a yeah. long way to making people feel a little less like betrayed a little less like the movie is just all shock value and a little yeah. more that it's this very thoughtful, like psychological journey Man. into somebody that's just from the get go presenting yeah. themselves as like sociopathic. You're making me really just reflect on how just I was really disappointed in the movie. Like just because it has all these cool things in it, it does all these things I want movies to be doing visually and atmospherically. Like it it has presence, it has power. I just like everything you've said, though. I mean, you, you said it perfectly. I, th- those are all big problems for me. Like these are things that are make it really hard for me to be invested in a moment, in a character, in a message. I just thinking about like, I, I guess ultimately I wish this movie just had a little bit more heart. <laughs> like I, I know the ultimately the message is cynical. It is meant to be damning and absurdist and reflective of like kind of the worst aspects of society but i feel like it could have been leveled out a little bit like i'm thinking of the moments where you know oliver is really connecting with felix and felix is being really nice and understanding and like hearing about oliver's dad dying and like yeah we all find out that's a lie later but like isn't there a middle ground (laughs) where like Oliver lies for a certain reason and Felix is able to understand like why he lied because of that reason like no it's just all like very exaggerated and to the nth degree about everything just because like it's all just trying to be a statement and a symbol for something and like I said like I just don't like when movies are that like I'd rather have people that I connect with and understand and comment on the message you know yeah so that was my big problem, I guess. Though I would say those are probably my favorite scenes, just uh, those two together because they're just so fucking watchable. Yeah. What's funny, too, is that, like, behind the scenes, like, on the red carpets and everything, it seems like 
Jacob Lordy's more into Barry. How do we say his last name again? Keegan. Keegan. I into think Barry so. Keegan. It's like Jacob's more the Oliver to Barry's Felix. Huh? Right. Um, but their dynamics seemed very like real. Yeah. Yeah. I. Um, <laughs> it's funny. We watched Priscilla in theaters and then we watched this movie and my wife goes like, like, who's this kid there? And I'm like, that's Jacob Elordi. And she goes, huh, he's nice to look at. Um, <laughs> and I was like, you didn't like looking at him in Elvis? And she's like, oh, that's him in Elvis? He's like, no, didn't like looking at him in Elvis. <laughs> yeah, I guess Elvis. it's I guess it's also the difference in just like the hair and the style. But um, man, two dynamic as hell leads. Like, I mean, I already knew Barry Keegan. Like, he's like an actor, actor, you know? But Jacob Elordi, like, he really has presence and, like, he's just so freaking watchable and, like, kind of a movie. I'm so beautiful. I'm such a beautiful movie star way. <laughs> and he has, like, such confidence and charisma and, like, he's interesting and, like, how he's navigating his character. I don't know. I just, uh, I enjoy him. I didn't realize he was the love interest in the kissing booth. <laughs> yeah, he, like, hates those movies, right? I don't know. I just found out right now that he was in those movies. I watched the first one. I forget why, and I was really sad that I did. Um, <laughs> but I did. I thought he kind of came out of nowhere, and it's like, oh no, he's had like a little bit of a, a steady buildup. Um, you know, it's funny between. There's been so much talk between like Barry. Though Barry's had like a few years now of reaching a point. I would say he's further ahead of Jacob Elordi. For sure. In terms of just like probably a little getting older, to be in I would some, think. Yeah, getting to be in some movies like what Barry's thirty one and Jacob Lordy's twenty six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but Dominic is it Cessa? Cessna from Holdovers? Oh right, yeah. I thought he like if I'm comparing him to Jacob Lordy in terms of like who I'd rather see in the next thing or who I think has more of the like on screen it factor. I want to say that like Dominic kind of stole the show for me in the holdovers. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's great in that movie for sure. Yeah. I was surprised by just how magnetic he was as an on screen presence in the, the character he can play. I mean, I have to see him in more things, but if I was like drafting, them as uh like fantasy sports <laughs> i think i would i think i would end up picking dominic over a lordy i i think they're different kind of actors like to me dominic says is like more of a thespian like he is like he is a very interesting presence like he is navigating this this character in a very like um thought out way where jacob lordy not and I don't mean to demean his acting style, but to me, like he could just stand there and act and like, I'd watch him. Like he's like that kind <laughs> of actor almost like he's like Brad Pitt is somebody who becomes somebody else. And you're like, you're really excited to see like who he becomes. We're like Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio, like you're kind of there to see Leo. And like, he's so good at what he does, you know? <laughs> um, so in that sense, like, I think they're just on different paths, but in terms of like who I'm more excited for, like, yeah, Dominic Sessa, he's, it'll be interesting to see what he does. Like, I thought he was a perfect counter to Paul Giamatti and their acting styles favored each other. And I like all the stuff Paul Giamatti's done. And I like the way he approaches characters. Like in that way, like I would be more excited for Dominic Sessa. Yeah. But we have like a a good next crop of talent coming through. It's pretty great. 
Okay. Well, uh, ranking, <laughs> how how low does Saltburn go? Um. So the new way we're doing our rankings is we're not ranking them anymore. So it's not even it's not even right that we're calling it rankings. Um. We're not ranking it in the sense that we're not going to just throw a movie into like the giant list of numbers we have here. We just, we're just going to be putting the movie into a category like we would on Letterboxd. Is that how Letterboxd works? You put it into well, a category? So one, I mean, how many tiers, how many uh, categories do you have? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Well, you can go between a half star and five stars in letterbox and that's 10 different ratings so <laughs> I, I guess yeah. that's the way i think about it i've always i've all as far as like the ratings i've had on websites for movies i've always had it in 10 categories like that so that's just how i've always done it yeah i guess i i think about it like differently in terms of like the category titles kind of contextualize it a sure. little differently yeah i uh i i used to rate movies on this website called rate your music uh, which is incongruous to what I was doing, but that's the way it worked. And uh, they actually let you label all of your rating categories. So like, I've just always thought of it that way. That's true. I remember those and being like, ah, those are so Travis. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, my categories are thrown through them. I actually only have nine categories. Um, <laughs> because... Uh, th this is very inside baseball and really doesn't matter to what we're talking about. But the reason I have nine categories is I've always had trouble. Like when I get down to like, I always had trouble differentiating between like movies that got one and a half stars and one star in letterbox. Like to me, if you're that low, like you're just a movie and I don't like you. <laughs> you're just a bad movie and I don't like you. So like I just nixed the 1.5 category and skipped to like this movie sucks. It goes in like with the one star category. Um, so my 10 categories are all-time favorite, essential, superb, very good, good, missing something. So, like, it was almost there, but, like, something was off about it. Not for me, really not for me, and I'd rather not talk about it. And uh, Saltburn goes in the really not for me category. Really not for me category. Okay. So, second second from the bottom. What, uh, what are some other films in that category currently? Uh... We're looking at newer films, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake, um, the Dungeons and Dragons movie, Five Nights at Freddy's, other movies that people like that I can piss off, Ex Machina, John Wick, Bullet Train, <laughs> La La Land, that kind of stuff. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> You'll make some people mad. <laughs> uh, my all-time rankings, I have my favorites, wow, uh, which like my favorites, you know, they're my favorites, but wow's like. I think this is incredibly impressive. It just doesn't make it into my favorites, but right. like it's about as high as praise as I can possibly give it without it actually crossing over to a favorites category. Um, impressive, enjoyable, positives, uh, neutral, which is like truly just like neutral. Um, and then I misspelled this in a text. My wife's about to come through the door. I'm just letting her know we're recording. Cool. And then uh, almost, not quite, not for me, and really not for me. <laughs> hmm. So and I think for me, neutral is like that balance of like, it's just kind of perfectly even between positives and negatives. One didn't really win out over the other. Um, we're almost kind of situates with you to where you're uh, missing something category. Mm -hmm. So I put Saltburn... 
in the I have it in the impressive category, but I might drop it um, down to enjoyable. But I at least had it up there just because I liked the... I feel like we don't have a lot of movies that are like um, that American Psycho kind of vibe of being about a zeitgeist and a time period and really leaning into some of the, the fantastical parts of that. So I liked how much Saltburn swung for the fences in that way. So it got into the impressive category. But when I'm looking at the movies around it, I'm like, I don't think this is <laughs> up there with some of these. Like, I have Scream in this category. OG? Tar. OG Scream. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Joker, Killers of the Flower Moon. Like, these are all better movies. So, yeah, I'm moving Saltburn down into Enjoyable <laughs> as we speak. All right. That's the um, that's the thrill of this show. The things can happen live in front of your eyes. Yeah, in terms of 2023 rankings and where I'd rank it in yeah. 2023 movies, like I still have it in the impressive category because I feel like relative to some of the other movies this year, it was definitely a lot more impressive to me than you know. Yeah, the holdovers. What, what number is it at out of how many numbers? Um, you mean like that that one to ten? If you're range. going to rank it amongst all the movies you've watched in 2023. Oh, like, uh, uh, I guess right now it would be at like 13. Okay. So uh, out of what? Uh, 50. Okay. Yeah. I have four in my favorites. I have a like five to 11 are in wow. And then impressive. It's just two right now yeah i don't have categories for my 2023 rankings i guess i could figure them out by just looking at my actual rankings but (laughs) um and my 2023 out of 42 movies is ranked 37 okay so down there what's right below it it's above white man can't jump so don't worry chris yeah um then you people the pale blue eye which is a movie actually i i I hate saying like it sucks because it does some cool things I like just because it is a period piece, but I just find it to be a very bland, lifeless movie that I can't get past. Um, then Dungeons and Dragons and Five Nights at Freddy's at the bottom. Was it Pale Blue Eye was a 2022 movie. I don't think so, sir. December 22nd, 2022. Because, okay, yeah, it had a, um, I, I guess I'm going by the Netflix re- release date because oh. I'm assuming it's at, theater release date was just for awards or whatever yeah they gave it like a limited the netflix was january 6th yeah huh it was released in select cinemas okay so it's it's up to you i I always think that with those kinds of release dates like it's just up to the person whether what year they want it to be yeah pale blue eye for me was in the almost category so i definitely had that ranked higher than uh yeah like i said i was sitting here thinking like i feel bad like having this so low but i just can't get past I just feel like it really dropped the ball. No, I also have it in my 2023 rankings. I just completely. Oh, I see. <laughs> wow. I missed that it was there. Uh, yeah, it's at the bottom of the almost category for me. Yeah. 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 Then it's you people, 65, the last voyage of the Demeter. <laughs> 2023. Uh, I mean, I have a good number in the wow category, and I have four in my favorites. So. I guess it was a decent year overall. I have in the very good. So there's good, which is where most of the movies fall 
and if you if anybody who's listened to the show can believe it i like most movies um but as far as very good and above i have 11 movies i let's see in positives two favorites which is essentially like six to ten i have 34 movies but like enjoyable it gets up to 20 impressive it's just 13 and then like the top two categories it's 11 i'd say we're in the same boat then yeah i mean looking back at uh 2022 i had four in the my favorites category and only four in wow so i mean eight versus 11 yeah pretty good not bad not bad all right we did it we did it what's uh we did it talk next movie yeah it's my pick right yeah I am going to pick one of my favorite movies of all time. A little movie called Mulholland Drive. Oh, okay. There it is. Yeah, it's right there. All right. Is there a 4K Mulholland Drive? <laughs> is there a 4K Mulholland <laughs> Which version is what we should be discussing? What if there's multiple versions? There's a Criterion has a release. And then the one I have, I think it's Studio Canal. It's... I picked the one that I had read was the one you want, like the better one. So, but yeah, there there are four Ks available. Okay, what makes the Studio Canal Mulholland Drive better? I don't know. All the nerds know that. <laughs> Just in terms of like how it looks, you know, all that, all the jargon they use. Okay. All right. I just like looking at pretty movies. I don't know the technical mumbo jumbo. Yeah. No, I I get it. <laughs> I one hundred percent get it. Okay. Cool. Well, then Mulholland Drive it is. Can't wait. Until next time. All right. It's a new year, Chris, a new beginning. We're going to start off fresh on on our famous catchphrase that we do at the end of the show, okay? Okay. All right, you ready? Yeah. And if if this is your first time listening to the show, this is exciting for you because you're going to hear it, what we're about to do. So get your boot. Bootstraps on it? What is it? What was the phrase I'm trying to? I don't get your booties on. Strap your boots outside. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Lights. Camera. See ya. See ya. I don't. I don't know anymore. (laughs) Oh, we did it. (laughs) Chris thinks we did it, but we're gonna see when I actually line it up how it goes.